0: Good morning. That will be a day that we can only imagine about. Well, my name is Steve Burkholder, and uh, missionaries to Tanzania with my family, Natalie. We have three kids, Hannah, Caleb, and Sarah, and hopefully we'll be able to meet them after the service. We've been partners with Wayside for 13 years now, and been serving in Tanzania for 12 years. Uh, It's a privilege for me to stand before you this this morning, Uh, remember uh, over 16 years ago, standing here and making the most important decision and the best decision of my life, and that was marrying my wife, Natalie. I'll ask Natalie if he'll stand, uh, and she's here with her mother, if she'll stand too, or just say hi. Great. I couldn't be standing here if it wasn't for Natalie, and uh, what a great job her parents did raising her and growing up and serving the Lord, and uh, certainly. Uh, You've heard it said many times, but she's my better three-fourths, okay? Not half. She has three-fourths of the work, and uh, it's such a blessing to be missionaries in Tanzania and to be home. You might ask yourself, well, if you're missionaries, why are you back in the States? Well, uh, there's a couple reasons, and uh, we like to do things according to the Bible. In, In Paul's first missionary journey in Acts chapter 14, he's wrapping things up. And we find him coming back to where he was sent out of, the church of Antioch. The Bible says these words. I just want to read it to you. It says, that when they were come together, they gathered the church together, and they rehearsed all that God had done with them, and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode a long time with the disciples. See, part of missions is reporting back to those who have supported you, those who have sent you out. And the Apostle Paul went back to the church of Antioch and he gathered the church together. And I love how it's worded here. It says he, the church gathered together and they rehearsed all that God had done with them. Not all that Paul had done for God, but all that God had done through Paul. Paul. And that's why we're here this morning, just to share with you, to rejoice with you, all that God is doing in Tanzania. Certainly not the Burkholder family. And uh, as, as we watch this short video, I want you to remember that you had a part in this through your prayers, through your financial giving, through the church here. Um, that partnership is what God has used in Tanzania to do his work. So let's see what God has done in Tanzania for the next few minutes. The country of Tanzania in East Africa is one of the most beautiful and diverse places on earth. From the snow-capped Mount Kilimanjaro to the white sands of the Indian Ocean, Tanzania is full of God's wonderful creation. By far the most special and diverse of God's creation in Tanzania is its people. There are over 120 tribes in Tanzania, each having its own culture and language. There are many still living as they have been for hundreds of years following the traditions of their ancestors in the African bush. Others are moving along with modern times through increasing technology and living in overpopulated cities. No matter what the culture, All of these people need to hear about God's love for them and of salvation through Jesus Christ. We are the Burkholder family, and we have been missionaries in Tanzania since 2001. Our first two years, we were able to start a church in the village of Simbai. This church continues under the leadership of Nicodemus, a Tanzanian pastor. God gave us a burden for reaching the entire Hanang district in Tanzania, and starting a church in the small town of Katesh was key to that vision. In 2005, we started a church with just a few families. While meeting in a rented building for two years, the Lord began to build His church as we saw many saved, baptized, and discipled. God began to give us the vision for a ministry center, which would reach the town and surrounding area. He provided enough land and funds for the construction of a permanent church building, and the Truth Center was constructed in 2007. The heartbeat of the Truth Center is the Truth Baptist Church. Believers meet together weekly for worship services and to be taught God's Word. There is also Bible study in small groups where believers can discover the truth of God's Word for themselves. New believers can be personally discipled through a series of practical Bible lessons. The church is trying to use creative ways to reach out to the lost through sports, home meetings, and evangelistic events. There is a strong weekly youth ministry, which reaches out to the local youth on Saturdays, and there is a Sunday evening meeting. Children are being reached and ministered to through a Saturday Bible club and the Sunday school ministry. All these ministries of the Truth Baptist Church are financially independent, and through the church offerings, the church is able to support a full-time assistant pastor, pay its own monthly expenses, support local church planting, and send out Tanzanian missionaries. The vision of the Truth Center is not only for the small town of Katesh, but to plant churches in the surrounding villages. So far, three other churches have been started through the Truth Baptist Church. It is the goal for these churches to be independent. We work in a team of missionaries to strategically plant churches together. The Henderson family is currently overseeing the new church plant in the village of Endasek and helping out in the other ministries of the Truth Center. The Truth Center will remain a place for these village churches to come for encouragement and further training as it is centrally located and can facilitate large meetings. The Truth Baptist Church also supports Tanzanian missionaries who are starting churches in other parts of Tanzania and in neighboring countries. Our goal is to train leadership for the future. One of the ways we are doing this is through our Bible Institute ministry. This ministry is based on basic courses that prepare servant leaders through the local church. We are also mentoring and training those called to serve God as pastors, missionaries, and church planters through special training on a local and national level.
1: Another ministry of the Truth Center is the Truth Learning Center. This Christian elementary school was started in 2008 with just a few students, but has grown to over 150 students. In order to accommodate growth over the last few years, God provided the funds to build classroom buildings to complete the school. Through the Truth Learning Center, boys and girls from different backgrounds come together to receive a quality education. More importantly, they are being taught the truth of God's Word through daily Bible lessons and weekly chapel meetings. Many of these students have come to know Christ as their personal savior through the school ministry. The school ministry has given the church a good testimony in the community and opened many doors of ministry. Not only is the school impacting the students, but also the teachers and staff who meet together for daily prayer and attend services at the church. The school is also helping to provide jobs in a Christian work environment. The school is financially independent of the church and pays all of its own expenses through school fees, which are paid by the students.
0: A new ministry was started at the True Center in 2011. This ministry is called the Timothy House Boys Home. This home is for boys who have lost their parents or come from difficult family situations. These young men are involved in small projects such as a vegetable garden, raising chickens, and baking bread. All these projects are used to pay for their daily needs and teach them discipline and a work ethic. Our prayer is that through the ministry of the Timothy House, some of these young men will be called to serve God full time or to be faithful leaders in the local church, the community, and their future homes. To serve in Tanzania as a family and to see our children serve alongside us has been a great joy. Hannah has her own girls' club with a Bible lesson, memory verses, songs, and games, and Caleb is involved in the ministry through helping out with visitation and evangelism. In addition to overseeing the school, Natalie also ministers to the ladies of the church through a weekly Bible study. Everything we do in Tanzania through the Ministry of the Truth Center is to bring people to the truth and to build them up in the truth. This could not be done without your faithful prayers and support. Thank you for your partnership with us as we continue to take the truth to Tanzania together. So praise the Lord for what he's doing in Tanzania and thank you so much for your partnership with us and partnership with God uh, in everything that's going on there. The Henderson family, our missionary partners are continuing on with the work along with a dedicated group of Tanzanians while we're here and God's continuing to bless as we get reports each week. If you wanna find out more about our ministry in the back lobby, we have some prayer cards. Uh, We'd like for everyone to go away today with one of our prayer cards so you can remember to pray for us, the most important thing you can do. There's also a sign-up sheet Get our uh, monthly prayer letters. And uh, these come to you through email if you have that. And uh, we'd like to stay in touch with you better. We also have a Facebook page for the True Center for all those that are into that and various other ways to stay in touch. So if you'd like to find out more, uh, please go out to the lobby after the service, pick up one of those prayer cards, speak with Natalie, get to meet the kids hopefully, and uh, sign up to be on our prayer letter list. Another way is to sign up to come to the, the Go Gathering coming up here in a week or two. Uh, we'll be talking more about 10, Tanzania a little more in depth of what's going on there and sharing with you about the ministry. For now, uh, I've heard you've been doing some questions that are, people have been asking, and the question this morning is, why missions? Why go through all this trouble? Why pack up your family? Uh, why go all the way across the globe, learn a new language, learn a new culture? Um, what, what is the big deal anyway, Really? Uh, First of all, I think we need to understand what is missions. (laughs) First of all, it's the taking of the gospel to those who need it all around the world. Very simple definition of what missions is. Of course, that starts locally here in this community, but it goes all throughout the world uh, internationally. And so praise the Lord for a good church that has a missions program, a missions ministry where it's the global ministry and combining the two words, locally and also globally. And so if you're not involved in the missions program here, missions is, is... is, uh, I believe, an important question that you need to ask yourself. Uh, some common questions that perhaps have crossed people's mind and that we've gotten in the past. Uh, questions like this. Why not just leave people in the other countries to, to find God in their own way? I remember when we first went out to Tanzania receiving an email saying, they're better off if we just leave them alone and, and God, will, God will save them if he wants to save them. If, a, if God is a sovereign God and wants them to be saved, he'll do it without our involvement. This was the response that William Carey got when he expressed his desire to to start foreign missions among the Baptists in England. They told him, young man, sit down. If God wants the heathen to be saved, he'll do it without our involvement. Perhaps you can come at it a financial aspect of missions. Foreign missions takes a lot of money, and we could be doing a lot more and using that money a lot more wisely. Perhaps uh, you say, well, why don't we just send the money over and the missionaries can stay back? We just send the money over and it could be used uh, perhaps more wisely than sending missionaries over. These questions are in everyone's mind. Why be so concerned with the rest of the world when our own country is in such spiritual need? We see that every day, don't we? And we need, uh, we need new churches. We need evangelism. We need uh, people to be here in America reaching the lost. And I remember getting that question from my own brother uh, when we left for Tanzania. Why, why go all the way across the world when there's people who need the Lord right here in America? Good question. Well, how about this one? Aren't the lost better off not knowing the gospel than knowing it and rejecting it? After all, God will be merciful to them who've never heard, right? Well, these are some questions that we need to find answers for. Uh, But more perhaps specifically this morning, why should the church have a missions ministry or even really specifically, why should I be involved in missions? After all, God hasn't called me. Perhaps these are all questions that we have in our heart. But let's take a look at the Bible this morning and uh, find out some answers. Why missions? Why do we do missions? Well, first of all, I think we do missions because number one, missions is a command of God to the believer. We're commanded to do missions in Matthew twenty-eight in verse eighteen through twenty. I'm going to be reading a lot of verses, so if you can keep up this morning, if not, most of the references will be up on the screen. You can write down and perhaps read them later. But the first reason this morning that we do missions is missions is a command of God to the believer. Matthew eight twenty-eight verse 18 through 20, it says, And Jesus came and spake to them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. It's a command. God's commanded us to do it. And if we're to be obedient, we should be involved in missions. But there's some things I want you to notice about this command. First of all, it's a command that is empowered. Notice in verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. It's an empowered command. Jesus has all authority and power after his resurrection. And he tells his disciples that I have all power and authority. And then the verse following, it says, go ye therefore. A good Bible interpretation principle to apply anytime you read a therefore in the Bible, ask yourself, why is this therefore? And therefore is because Jesus has all the power and authority. Because Jesus has all the power and authority, we therefore can go into all the world. Because he has all the power and authority. Now, that power and authority was given to us. And he told his disciples in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. uh, If you want to listen or turn there, it says, but ye shall receive power, he tells his disciples. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. That same power, that resurrection power, that authority that Jesus rose from the grave with, he then gave to his disciples the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit and empowered them to do the work. See, Jesus not only commanded us to go, but he empowered us to go. We have everything we need to do the Great Commission, to do this command, the Holy Spirit, inside of us. A lot of times when we talk of missions, we talk about finances, we talk about supplies, we talk about buildings, and all these other things. And certainly all those things are needed. But what is needed most is being empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the work. And God has given us everything we need to obey the command. The command is great. But He is even greater. He's empowered us to do it. Second thing I want you to notice about this command, that is a threefold command. There's three things. First of all, evangelizing. Matthew 28:19 says that you go and teach all nations. That teaching there speaks of making disciples. Mark 16:15 puts it this way: Go ye therefore and preach the gospel. So that talks about the conversion of the lost. Taking the gospel, the message of salvation, and evangelizing the lost. That's the first step of the Great Commission, this great command that we've been given, is evangelizing the lost. Secondly, it's establishing. It says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It's establishing them in their faith. Baptizing them. Oftentimes in the Bible, baptism is connected with the local church. And so we have the idea of here of establishing them, not just going and preaching the gospel and seeing hundreds and perhaps thousands being saved. That's great, but we need to establish them. We need to ground them into the local church through baptism, through other teaching the basic teachings. There in Tanzania, we do evangelism through different ways you saw in the video. We have the kids clubs, we go out and use sports and we use uh, games, we use uh, outdoor cinema type things. We, we do every method that we can to reach the lost with the gospel. We had a, a, a public school teachers convention there, a seminar, free seminar for them from a group from America, a group of teachers that came over trying to reach them with the gospel. But not only do we reach them with the gospel, that that evangelism stage, but the equipping stage, the establishing stage, establishing them as believers in the local church. Seeing them take those next steps in obedience to Christ's command. And then thirdly, equipping them. The verse goes on to say, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Now this teaching is a little bit different from the first teaching in Matthew 28. This talks more of equipping, discipling, training. And that's exactly what uh, Pastor, and Pastor Rick and Pastor Roger have been doing in East Africa over these last couple weeks. Is equipping pastors to do the work of the ministry. And that's what missions is about too, working yourself out of a job, making sure that those that you're evangelizing after they receive Christ and establishing them in the church and getting them grounded to a local assembly of believers, but equipping them to lead themselves. And that's what we're doing in Tanzania as well through our Bible Institute ministry and also our mentoring of local pastors. We have a young man at the Truth Baptist Church where where we started at the Truth Center there named Rich, a young man. uh, And Rich has felt a call of God in his life to be involved in the ministry. And so Rich is continuing to learn and we're continuing to mentor and equip him to someday perhaps be the pastor of that church or someone else. And that's one of the same goals of the Timothy House ministry that you saw. Taking these young men that have uh, lost their family, perhaps one parent or both parents, or they come from a really difficult family situation and raising up young Timothys for the ministry. The whole idea here is evangelizing the lost, establishing them in the local church and also equipping them for the work of the ministry. It says here, teaching them to obey all of Christ's commands, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. So we have a command. We're empowered for that command. The command is threefold, but again, the command is unfinished. If you look again at those verses in Matthew 28:19, it says, all nations, and it says, even unto the end of the world. Mark sixteen, fifteen puts it this way preach the gospel to every creature. Acts one eight puts it this way, unto the uttermost part of the earth. Matthew twenty four, Jesus is telling his disciples, before the end shall come, before I establish my kingdom here on earth, the gospel shall be preached unto all the world, unto all nations. Now, perhaps you're a new Christian or you haven't uh, been involved in a church for, for too long. That's okay. But it doesn't take long to figure out that this command that we've been given is unfinished. There's still people who need to hear the gospel. There's still closed countries. There's still tribes of people who have no converts. There's still nations where there's no gospel witness that we know of. And so our task, our command is unfinished. We're empowered to do it. We have all we need to do it. We have everything that it's a, the threefold command. We know it's to evangelize. We know it's to establish and equip them, but it's unfinished. We have a job to do. Why do we do missions? Well, first of all, it's a command. But you know what? We cannot do missions out of a obligation or, or cold obedience to a command, but we must do missions out of love and in a demonstration of God's love. You see, many times I have kids and... Uh, very obedient kids, and sometimes I'll tell our, we'll tell our kids to go do their chores or to clean their room. And there's an obedience that's out of obligation. <laughs> I'm sure we all know that one. Or perhaps when you get pulled over uh, on your way to work tomorrow and you see those flashing lights behind you, sure, you, you pull over out of obedience. You probably don't pull over out of love, do you? <laughs> I love <laughs> the, the laws of our, God. no, it's out of obedience, right? But see, that's not how we should do missions. Well, God's called me to Africa, so I better go. Um, no, you see, folks, we don't have to be missionaries because God's commanded us to. We get to be missionaries. It's a privilege. It's something that we're honored to do. And don't, for, don't ever, ever feel sorry for missionaries. If you ask any missionary, they'll tell you this. Don't feel sorry for us. Matter of fact, we feel pretty sorry for you. Having to go to work every day and fight the traffic on 410 and uh, just to pay the bills and by the end of the month have a little bit left or not enough to finish. I feel sorry for you folks. I really do. We have the greatest job in the world. And we do that job not out of obligation to a command, but out of love. Because God demonstrated his love for us. So why do we do missions? First of all, because it's a command to the believer. But secondly, missions is the love of God for the lost. God has loved lost people who, deserve, who did not deserve his love. God's love was demonstrated for the lost uh, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 7 and 8. It says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What an honor it is to see those who have served in the military this morning, those who have been willing to put their lives on the line. That's what this verse is talking about. For scarcely will a righteous man, will one die. Peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. Our soldiers in the military who are willing to lay their lives on the line for your freedom and for my freedom. But Christ, he did it for those who were undeserving. It says, but God commendeth or demonstrated his love toward us. And now while we were yet sinners, undeserving, hopeless, with nothing to offer, Christ died for us. You see, God showed his love. He just didn't say, I love you. But he demonstrated his love. And how did he demonstrate that love? By sending his son and by paying the ultimate price, by giving his life. John fifteen thirty says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life, for his friends. And Jesus went on to tell his disciples, you're my friends. You see Jesus showed his love. God showed his love and as followers of Jesus as believers in God, we need to demonstrate that same love for the lost. John 3:16, a verse we all know. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. He demonstrated, he showed his love. And missions is a way that we can demonstrate and show the love of God. As we travel around America and report to churches, we're noticing an attitude, uh, we're noticing a a discouragement among Christians, among believers. And that's usually when it comes to the way our country's going. See, we see it in two, three-year spans. We come back to America every two to three years and see the big gaps and how America's sliding back morally. But you're like that frog being slowly cooked in the pot, right, as the temperature gets turned up slowly. Some of you notice it, some of you don't, but we notice it big time when we come back. A lot of times that can cause anger, and it can cause discouragement. It causes cause all kinds of feelings when we look around us. But you know what, folks? The lost are acting just like they should. Lost. They know better. They don't know any better. Their conscience has been so seared that they're just following what they think is right. And if we aren't, don't start demonstrating God's love for them, I'm not saying accepting sin or compromising what we believe at all, but we need to love the lost just as God loved them. Jesus Christ died for their sins. And we need to demonstrate that love of God. God's love is not only demonstrated for the lost, but it's an unlimited love. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says the lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness but long suffering to us were not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance that's an unlimited love not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance that's god's heart that's god's desire is not that any should perish he didn't design hell for us or for the lost he designed it for satan and his followers but he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's heart. It's an unlimited love. Again, John three sixteen. We all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that who? Whosoever. That means anyone. Everyone. The gospel is open and available to everyone. God's not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance, that whosoever should believe in him shall have eternal life. But unfortunately, God's love has been rejected by the lost. God's love was demonstrated for the lost through Jesus Christ. It was, it's unlimited for the lost. He's still not willing that any should perish, but man has rejected God's love. Genesis 6 and verse 5 through 6 tells the story of the generation of Noah. And there's a lot of similarities between the generation of Noah and our generation these days. Listen to what it says. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth and it grieved him in his heart. Man's rejection of God's love is grieving to him. It hurts him in his heart. He wants us to receive that love. And if that's the heart of God, shouldn't it also... Be our heart as well. Why do we do missions? Well, we do missions because it's demonstrating God's love for the lost. In Romans 1, 18 through 20, it talks about man's rejection. It talks about how at one point, everyone knew the gospel. At one point, uh, actually at two points on earth, the whole population knew God. That was in the garden with Adam and Eve, but slowly, and it only took a one generation, right, before uh, we started seeing the evils of sin And then, also, after Noah's day, when Noah and his family got off the ark, they were the only humans there. Everyone knew God. Everyone knew his plan. Everyone knew his love. See, it wasn't God that dropped the ball or it wasn't God's fault that we're in the situation we're in. It's ours. Somewhere along the line, somebody didn't share with somebody who didn't share with somebody. And now, we're the minority instead of the majority. You see, this problem was caused by us. And those that don't know the love of God... It can't, they cannot say, well, God, I don't know because you're a God that hasn't expressed your love to all mankind. No, there was a time. But it's man who's dropped the ball. Listen in Romans chapter 1 and verse 18 through 20. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things... Of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead. Listen to this so that they are without excuse. We sang, I can only imagine. And there won't be a time when a sinner stands before a holy God and says, God, here are my excuses. There'll be no excuses. And that's the reason why we need to be involved in missions. No one will be with excuse that day. We need to do missions. Why? Because it's a command for the believer, but it's also demonstrating God's love for the lost. Third reason, missions is the method of God for the local church. Uh, in Romans chapter 10, we have a series of questions in Romans chapter 10. And they're rhetorical questions made by the Apostle Paul to try to get us to think about the importance of doing missions. In Romans chapter 10 and in verse 13, we have the following questions answered. Number one, who's the gospel for? Who's the gospel for anyway? Well, it's a whosoever will gospel. If you read Romans 10, 13, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We sang the song this morning, or we heard the song sung, I can only imagine. One thing we do not have to imagine, that there will be representatives from every tribe, from every tongue, from every nation, from every people that day, praising the Lord. What a choir that will be. The choir did a great job this morning. But what a choir that will be to look to your left and your right and to see people from every nation. You see, the gospel is not just for you and me as Americans. The gospel is for all people, regardless of skin color, regardless of language, regardless of culture. The gospel is for everyone. Listen to what the Bible says about that day that we don't have to imagine about this fact because it's written in God's word. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us unto God. By thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. They'll be there. Well, how are they going to get there? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The book of Romans says, but here comes a series of questions. Are you ready? It says, how then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? Here's the question. How are you going to call on somebody who you've never believed in? Well, the obvious answer is you cannot. You cannot believe, or you can't call on someone unless you've believed in them. You see, Christ is necessary for salvation. There's not many ways to salvation. There's not, oh, well, the Buddhists are on their way, and the Muslims are on their way, and the Christians are on their way, and, and at the end, we'll all end up in the same place. A very common belief, not only among the lost, but also seeping into Christianity. The Bible says there's one way, and it's Jesus Christ, And that's why we need to take his message to all the world. 1 John 5.12 says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You see, it's not religion, it's not works, it's not your own way, it's not by being good, it's only through the Son of God, Jesus Christ, that we have eternal life. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Regardless if you're in China, Australia, America, or Tanzania, the way is only one. It's through Jesus Christ. That's why it's so important that we do missions. How then shall they call on him who they've not believed? Well, they can't. Here's the next question. How shall they believe on him whom they've not heard? See, it's pretty hard to call on someone you haven't believed in, and it's pretty uh, hard to believe in someone you've never even heard about, right? And so here's the question. How shall they believe on him whom they've not heard? Answer, they can't. They can't believe on someone they've never heard. See, belief is necessary for salvation. And belief, or faith, comes by hearing first. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing the word of God. We need to take this message, the Bible, to those who have never heard before, so that they can hear it. And after they hear it, then they can believe. And after they believe, then they can call upon his name, the only name that's able to save them. But the questions keep coming from Paul. Well, how shall they hear without a preacher? Is God going to use the birds of the air? Is God going to use the trees, the mountains, the clouds, the stars to tell them the gospel message? Well, certainly we can see God all throughout creation. We can know that there is a God, the book of Romans talks about. When we see creation, we cannot deny that there is a God, but creation cannot save them. It has to be through the message of Jesus Christ being preached. He says, How shall they hear without a preacher? Answer. It's impossible. A messenger first must go and tell them about Christ, despite their race, despite their religion, despite their culture. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter one as I read here, uh, verses twenty-one through twenty-four. Again, I know I'm reading a lot of verses, but you can write them down. It says, for after that, in the wisdom of God, by the world, af- for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, and it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks... Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. You see, it, de- it doesn't depend on if it were the Jews who the name of Christ was a stumbling block and, or, and they sought after a sign, or if it were the Greeks who, who, were, who were wise and sought, sought after wisdom, the message was the same and it was Jesus Christ. And our message here in the United States or our message across the ocean or across the globe is still the same, it's Jesus Christ. Despite race, despite religion, despite culture, it's only Jesus that they need. And that's the message that we preach. That's the preacher and what he preaches. It's he's preaching Christ and the power of God in Christ to save their souls. But our last question how shall they preach except they be sent? You see, it's not just the preacher deciding or the missionary deciding one day, hey, I'm going to go off to India or I'm going to go off to China or I'm going to go down to South Texas where they need a good church. No, it's a team. They need to be sent. And God has chosen the instrument of the local church. It says, what will happen to the, uh, it, it, how, how shall they preach except they be sent? In Acts chapter 13, we see the model of sending missionaries out. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 2 through verse 4, it says, And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and they sent them away. You see, Paul and Barnabas just weren't Paul and Barnabas. They had a team of people behind them, the church of Antioch, who were praying for them, who had sent them out. And that's where the local church comes into play. See, everyone has a part to do. Perhaps your your job is to go. Or maybe it is to send. We're here to go. And we've been going. And we'll continue to go as the Lord leads and as the Lord directs. But we continue to need those who will send. The most important thing you can do for us in sending us is your prayers to God for us. The Apostle Paul says that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me in Romans chapter 15 and verse 30. That's what we need the most is your prayers. And how do we get sent out? How will they be sent out? It's by the local church. So we see it starts with the local church by sending out the messenger. The messenger preaches Christ. Christ is preached and they hear the gospel. When they hear the gospel, now they have the opportunity to accept it or reject it. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we have these questions. And where does it start? It starts with us. It starts with us by going and sending those who need to hear the gospel. Well, last question here real quick. What will happen to those who die without ever hearing the gospel? This is a hard theological question that uh, seminary students debate about all the time. But I don't see any room for debate here. You know, in our hearts and our minds, we try to justify and imagine a merciful God. And certainly our God is merciful. Certainly our God is full of love. But when we see the picture of God in, in Isaiah, when we see the pictures of God in the book of Revelation, And as the angels are flying around the throne of God, what are they saying? Holy, holy, holy. See, we have a holy God, and his holiness cannot be compromised for those who have never heard the gospel. Remember, there was a time where everyone knew, but it's us that have dropped the ball. It's us that have not taken the message, and it's still our responsibility to do so. So we can't ignore these simple facts. First of all, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says that in Romans chapter 3. Secondly, that God is holy. We still have a holy God. And that person who've never heard the gospel before does not change the fact that they're a sinner and that God is holy. Then we know that Jesus died for all. In 1 John 2, in chapter 2 and verse 2, says that he died not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Jesus shed his blood for everyone. But not everyone has heard about him. We cannot deny the fact that Jesus is the only way to heaven as he himself claimed, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And we cannot deny the fact that in the book of Romans, as we read, they're without excuse. So it makes our task, it makes our job even that more important because we have to answer that last question. They'll be eternally lost without someone to go and someone to tell them. As we close up this morning, Just ask yourself some questions. Why do we do missions? Well, first of all, it's God's command to the believer. God has placed you in an important part in your workplace, in your family, in your neighborhood. And a lot of people can say, well, I'm not called to be a missionary. I'm not even really a preacher. But we all are called to be witnesses. And God has empowered you with your special story, how you came to know Christ to share that message with those that are lost. If missions is a command of God, ask yourself this morning, are you being obedient to that command? If missions is, if we do missions because it's a demonstration of God's love for the lost, ask yourself the question this morning, do I have that same love for the lost? Or has my heart become so angered by the culture and the moral decay that I've begun hate And hatred has built up and bitterness has built up in my heart towards the lost. If God loves them, we should too. How is your heart this morning? Do you have that same love for God for the lost? Perhaps the third question, why do we do missions? Because it's God's method for the local church. Are you involved in missions here at Wayside Chapel? Perhaps you're an attender or a member for a long time and you don't know much about the missions ministry here. What a great missions ministry you have. First, the way you can be involved is continuing on with your faithful giving to the church here. Secondly, through your prayers for those missionaries that you're already partnering with, getting in touch with them, getting a hold of their prayer letters, and taking the insert from your bulletin. What a great way, an easy way that the church has made to pray for those ministry partners all around the world by taking that bulletin. A lot of times I know it just gets in there, but taking that and putting it in your Bible and praying for those needs all around the world. However it is that God wants you to get involved in missions here at the local church, are you willing to do that? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for a word of prayer as we consider why we do missions. Maybe you came in this morning and you have more important questions on your heart and your mind, and that is, where will I go if I would leave this earth? If you're not sure that you have Christ as your personal Savior, as we said this morning, He's the only way. He's the only hope for your soul. And maybe it is you're here this morning you don't know Christ as your Savior. I'd love to talk to you after the service right down here in front or one of the pastoral teams. would love to talk with you and share with you more about how you can receive Christ as your Savior. If you're here and you've already done that, ask yourself those simple questions that we looked at at the end. Why do we do missions? Let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for these dear folks. God, thank you for... Your word, how it makes it clear to us. And Lord, we think about missions. We think about your command, how you've commanded us to go. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to be obedient to that command, whether it's to go across the room, uh, pick up the phone and make a phone call, write a letter, or even go across the ocean. Lord, maybe there's some folks here this morning that you've been impressing on their heart for a long time, the, the call to be a missionary, or perhaps just a call to be a witness to share their faith with others. Help us to be obedient to that command. Lord, help us to demonstrate your love for the lost. Lord, as we look around, we we see the sin and we see the moral decay and we can become hardened and we can become hatred for the lost. And Lord, I just pray that you would give us your heart for them. Help us to see them as you see them, with compassion and mercy and not willing that any should perish, but that they all would come to receive Christ as their Savior. And Lord, help us to get involved in missions because it's a method that you've proposed for the local church to go or to send. Lord, thank you for this time together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.